if it's taking more than it's given, and you can apply this to many things in life, when you get to the point where that pendulum's tipped and something's taking more than it's giving off you, then I think that's the point that you kind of have to make that decision for yourself. Welcome to Series 2 of the One Year No Beer Podcast. If you haven't hit subscribe yet, then hit that button so you don't miss another episode. So hello and welcome to this very special episode of One Year No Beer and On A Mission podcast. Now, this is going to be a different kind of episode for a multitude of reasons. First and foremost, if you're listening to the One Year No Beer podcast, you're probably going, well, that guy doesn't sound intelligent enough to be Jen and he doesn't sound enthusiastic enough to be Ruri. What the hell is going on? So hello to you who are listening. My name is James Burt. I'm actually ordinarily on the other side of the microphone. I'm the producer of this here little podcast. Me and my team at Phonic create the One Year No Beer podcast. If you've been listening for a little while or been watching it on YouTube, you have been enjoying our content without even realising it. But if you're a listener of the On A Mission podcast, you might recognise my voice from a couple of episodes because I've deep dived a few times with my good pal Ellie and uh, we are doing a semi-podcast recording together today. How are you doing, Ellie? Oh, it's so good to be back with you, James. You really are. So you're probably up there now with the most frequent guest between the interview you did with me, sharing your own story and now a collab episode. Well, I'll do whatever is needed to hit any records that are out there, frankly. So I'll, I'll just invite myself, which is pretty much what I've done for this. I was like, I saw a post that you did on Facebook. I was like, we've got to have this conversation uh, specifically for a podcast that I'm involved with. So just to give a little bit of context quickly. So as Ellie mentioned, I've recorded podcasts for, for her a couple of times. And she's actually been on my personal podcast a couple of times as well. But I saw Ellie and she's someone who I've been following on social media for a little while. I saw her post a few weeks ago about the fact she was almost about to hit her one-year anniversary of going alcohol-free. She's literally about to go one year, no beer. And I said, oh, I've got to get you onto a podcast that we produce, which is about exactly this subject, to to get your insights and your wisdoms and your takeaways and your learnings and your lessons. But obviously for the the listeners of On A Mission, they will know you well already by now. If it's if they if they're a return listener, if they're not a return listener, then go back right back to the beginning. It's a very good podcast. You'll find out more. Um, but for those who are listening on the One Year No Beer podcast, bear with us, guys. It's going to get a bit confusing, but it's going to be well worth it. <laughs> I'm confused. I'm confused. Who? What is going on here? Um, but tell us, give us a bit of a you know like the ninety second sales pitch on who is Ellie and, and and sort of who you are, what you do, and how you do it. Oh my god, an extended elevator pitch. I can't think of anything worse. <laughs> <laughs> Sell me. On yourself. Come on. Right. Well, sell sell you this pen. Right. So my my, my name is Ellie Mackay. Um, I'm a mum of three, a wife, a businesswoman and a podcaster. And yeah, my podcast, The Automation Podcast, is about helping people live their best lives. It's about self-optimization. It's about truth. It's about self-exploration and I'm recording this content with some incredible people but at the end of the last year, 2021, I had to have a, a quite serious conversation with myself and I knew for me to get to the next level of my own personal journey that my relationship with alcohol got to a point where it wasn't serving me and as much as it wasn't necessarily a problem. It certainly wasn't a solution and it certainly wasn't going to 
help me to get to the next step. So I looked in the old accountability mirror and alongside my husband, Mark, we made the decision to go one year alcohol free, which for anyone who knows us will know that that is uh, definitely no mean feat. And here we are one year in. So you sort of touched on it lightly there, mum of three, business owner, podcaster, but you, you are someone who has quite a successful business, quite a high stress, quite a high um, energy, quite a high, it, it takes a lot out of you, the business. So you guys are run, run multiple businesses, but you've got a property investment company. You're quite well known in your space. You do a lot of stuff. Tell us a, bit, a little bit about the, the business so that people can understand that this is not just as you sort of glaze over, I've got a business and uh, stop drinking for a bit. You've, you know, it's, it's, it's quite a, it's quite an operation you guys own and run. Yeah, it is. We do. We've got a few different businesses, but um, we've been doing property full time since 2018. As we touched on when we did our, our first podcast, it was um very challenging time. 2018, I found myself on Job Seekers Allowance after being made redundant. My mental health was pretty bad. I'm very open about that. I was on heavy duty medication, having a lot of panic attacks, a lot of anxiety. And that's when I reintroduced myself to self-development after a very extended hiatus. And yeah, just started to focus on myself as much as the business uh, because like, genuinely I'm a great believer that you're, you can only grow, your business can only grow at the same extent that you do, which actually does come full circle to, to the alcohol. And it was the, the start of a crazy adventure, really. We did 25 property deals in our first year. Uh, we've continued to grow, to fall, to fail, to learn, to expand, to grow our network, to grow our reach, to, you know, grow our own portfolio. We've, um, had many challenges along the way, but the biggest growth for me and my definition of success is about so much more than how many keys to properties you possess or how much money you have in the bank. And we're still very much on our on our own journey. You know, we're nowhere near where we want to be. We're, we're only less than five years in and we're not even scratching the surface of, of the capabilities. But the thing that I'm most proudest of and my definition of success now is about so much more than that. It's about becoming the best version of yourself. And it's about finding out what's really important to you on a, a personal level, on a community level. And it's been a it's been a hell of a journey and one of the things that was very interesting is over the years when I've started to indulge myself and completely immerse myself really in the self-development space I've spent tens of thousands hundreds of thousands probably on both personal and professional development to varying degrees of success but I almost had to kind of brainwash myself to be around a more positive environment to to change myself to go to war with myself and I, I would be exploring so many different things James like you again I'm in my infancy with a lot of this stuff I'm no world leading expert but looking at nutrition looking at breath work you know sleep patterns you know whip straps, exercise, ice baths, meditation, all of this stuff. And the one thing that I was never really willing to look at was how much alcohol I was consuming because it's a, a toxin. And whilst some people, a lot of people have a very healthy relationship with alcohol, I over the years had from drinking from age 14, just started to associate it with pretty much 
any activity, kids' parties, celebrations, bar mitzvahs, you know, like literally anything. It was a, a celebration, a commiseration, a social gathering, a night in on my own, bubble bath, glass of wine. You know, it didn't really matter and it's very socially acceptable. So, yeah, I always want to challenge myself and I love to put my back against the wall and really push myself and that was something that's it's probably a lot more so than any other discipline that I've implemented in my life getting up early things that I found quite challenging like this giving up alcohols just on a completely different level to any of that times mm. 10 you know Oh, I'm really interested. You mentioned network. I sort of scribbled it down because in the space that you're in, in the property development space, in the sort of the training personal development space that you're sort of well known in, networking is a big part of it, isn't it? So a lot of the time it's where you'll find your joint venture partners. It'll be where you find your investors. It's where you'll find great deals. You know, networking is a big, and I get that it is for a lot of industries, but especially, especially the property industry it's kind of, it goes hand in glove, um, that the two things are combined. So what was a big part of the fear around the, the reduction or the stopping entirely for the year of alcohol? Was it to do with how do I go and do this stuff sober? And like you say, you weren't, it's not like you were going out and getting lashed, but that's not what, you know, a uh, sort of a, a bad relationship with alcohol is actually all about. So was there a sort of a fear element to how do I, how do I perform without this crutch in a way? It was probably a bit more selfish than that. It was like, am I going to enjoy this? So some of these things are, I mean, I, I don't really go to many events like that now. That That's actually one of the things that I've completely stopped going, doing things that I don't want to do. I made the decision at the end of last year that as well as alcohol going. So I, I was just going to stop being a busy fool and playing this game that everybody else is playing with networking and going to all these stupid events all the time and running myself ragged. I just started to think, you know, what, what am I really getting from that? I, I want to play a different level to this. I'm never going to be able to expand while I'm doing all this low level bullshit. So it was really interesting that giving up alcohol gave me the clarity to be able to do that. And I have been to loads of networking events, just not not the same kind. Like I'm leveling up in terms of the events I'm going to. I've been to so many black tie events, prestigious events over the last um, 12 months that I've been absolutely in my element attending like stone cold sober and yeah like environments like that it's really interesting because going with my husband as well mark who anyone who's listened to my first podcast talking about this when i was four months then he was uh, probably worse than me in terms of the habit for picking up a beer if if i were to have said to him this time last year right we're going to a black tie event which you know he'd rather be sat at home in his jogging bottoms and a, a t-shirt like i would most of the time like right you're going to a black tie event with a load of people you don't know and by the way you're not gonna be able to drink alcohol like I don't think he'd have went whereas this year we made a point of saying we're not going to put our life on hold we're not going to pass by any opportunities if there's events and social like occasions that arise we're very much going to go and we've absolutely done that and I think that's really surprised Mark even more so than myself because you know I've had three pregnancies to go through where I didn't drink and I was last man standing at weddings dancing and things like that as much as I would have always preferred to drink I think from Mark's perspective that's been a, a real eye-opener. But for me, if I'm honest, James, it was I was more than happy just to pour a glass of wine at home. It wasn't 
just a social thing or a peer pressure thing. You do realize when you give up alcohol just how much society is geared towards drinking, for sure. The amount of times I've had glasses thrust on me as a welcome drink when I go in, no alcohol-free alternative. Or when we went away for my husband's birthday, for example, we went to a really nice spa and they knew it was his birthday. So they presented us with like two glasses of champagne. And you think, well, if I was an alcoholic or, you know, a recovering alcoholic, that could have been a real problem. So I think there is just a presumption that people are going to drink but for me I think it was probably a little bit more deep-rooted than that I just love the taste of red wine I love that warm fuzzy feeling that you get from drinking alcohol it was a very quick way to decompress after a busy day uh, not necessarily a challenging day but you know sometimes a challenging day but just a full-on day of trying to balance the different businesses, growing a team, the challenges that go with that, the the podcast, obviously two crazy puppies and three wonderful children, but it's very intense. And when they all go to bed, the easiest thing in the world was just to pour myself a glass of wine and be like, ah, and relax. So, so what have you found that gives you that, ah, relax moment in the last 12 months do you find have you found things to substitute that moment and that feeling or are you able to self-create that feeling now or have you found other things I've watched you through through the year going and doing various stuff and ice baths with your team and all this sort of like weird and wonderful mad stuff and I think a lot of the time when people do stop doing something or quit doing something or give something up and sometimes some people don't like the connotation of giving something up because there's a preconceived idea that you're missing out on something but did, did you substitute it or have you just do you not need that ah moment or do you find it comes naturally or yeah. It's, it, so I think that was the, the biggest thing for me going into this year. I knew that I was papering over the cracks. So stopping me because, like, we talk a lot about mindset, myself included, because it's so important. But really, it's kind of one more than mindset. It's about emotional intelligence. It's about being able to manage your state, to manage yourself, to optimize yourself. The, you, the shit keeps on coming. I think uh, one of my favourite sayings, and uh, my listeners won't be, um, will, will be sick and tired of me say, saying it, is the Jim Rohn quote, don't wish it was easier, wish you were better. And it's about the level that you're willing to accept for your life. And yeah, okay, if we're in environments that we've chosen for ourselves, I chose to have three kids. Like I've chose to run these different businesses, to have a podcast because... That's what I'm passionate about. I enjoy doing everything that's in my life. But with that does come pressure. And you can't have your cake and eat it, right? So you can't then just crumble under the pressure like I have done previously because I'm overwhelmed and I can't cope or I'm working too hard and then I'm getting burnt out. And that's why all this other stuff arguably is a lot more important than business strategy. And when people get me on their podcast to talk about property, I don't talk about property. I talk about emotional intelligence because... It's our ability to be able to deal with life, which is the thing that's going to ultimately be the thing that allows us to survive or to thrive. Or some people don't even survive. You know, that that is the reality of it. So I knew it was going to be challenging. And I think we do need to have that... Uh, moment I, I do use some of the alcohol free, free alternatives by the way like an alcohol free gin the wines are shocking i've tried all of them they're shocking. terrible aren't they they're it's awful horrendous. categorically and, and and i was a wine snob so if, if they ever did a i mean that's a multi-trillion pound industry right there if they can create a decent 
can you imagine a lovely, nice French wine that was a, a great alcohol? Because I love the smell of it. I love the taste oh, of do it. A Malbec, a Malbec without oh. the booze in it. I'll be, I'll be off to the races. Staking a Malbec every night, I'll be doing it if I could. It's, it's funny psychologically, isn't it, that you do that? But um, yeah, so the alcohol-free alternatives for sure. And again, people have mixed opinions on that. But I just think it's it's live and let live. It's whatever works for you. And actually, I, I probably have less of the alcohol-free alternatives as the years evolved. Like now, I'll I'll have maybe one one gin, and then I'll move on to my my peppermint teas. But I knew I had to do deeper work on myself and that's what this giving up alcohol has allowed me to do this year so I've stepped back and then you you've got nowhere to go you've got nowhere to escape like if you're stressed out why are you stressed out what's not going well in your life what can you do differently how can you eradicate some of that stress and pressure like what what needs to change in order for that to happen because alcohol was only one piece of the puzzle which allows you to unlock the gateway to address all the other different things I was doing the procrastinating the spending too much time then being a busy fool focusing on the the wrong things you know not not having enough clarity on my, my, my vision and how I needed to achieve that and to start exploring other things that are important to me like the breath work and how to how to kind of get myself from a heightened state of stress to the point that my emotions aren't constantly taking me out of the game because that's what leads to burnout. And yeah, alcohol was a thing and other people uh, have, have different vices or different ways to, 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 to not address things. But for me, it's not just alcohol. I'm, I, I'm systematically going and removing everything that's going to stop me becoming the best version of myself. And I'll tell you why people don't want to do it. Because it's hard fucking work. That is the truth. It's easier to take the antidepressant. It's easier to have the glass of wine at the end of the day. I know because that was me for decades and decades. This takes hard work. You have to look in the mirror. You can't bullshit yourself, James. It takes hard work. It takes discipline. It takes determination. It takes willpower. But it's, you know, if you do, if you make the uncomfortable decisions, then you're going to have a far more comfortable life. And unfortunately, that's a bit that the majority of people aren't getting. What, what's been the most sort of surprisingly difficult thing that you've had to deal with through giving up of alcohol? Or what was the, the sort of alcohol the biggest mask of where you've, like you said, you've, you know, you're back to the wall, you're kind of like naked from excuses now. You've kind of got to do that, what people call the deep work or the inner work. What was the the thing that came up and you're like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. That's the tough bit of it. I'm going to be honest. So I always talk about the challenges with things. And there has been some challenges. But, you know, the most surprising thing is how easy it's been. Like when I make a mental decision, it's done. It, it, it's done. Like there was no doubt, like no doubt, not a 0.001% anyone who knows me on a deep level will know that if I say I'm going to do something, my word is my bond and that that contract is with myself first and foremost. So it was actually a bit of a relief. I was getting anxiety in the build-up to giving up alcohol. It's all right talking about it. I'm talking about it. We made the decision back in October. I'm telling people as I'm drinking my wine or my champagne or my cocktail, yeah, 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 next year, next year. Anyway, then we went to Centre Parks last December. We had a week away with the kids. Again, you know, glass of wine every night. And of course, it was Christmas for like the entire month of December. You know, we went we went out with an absolute bang. But I knew something like w- w- serious needed to, to kind of change in our life. And 
about a week before the actual date, it's creeping up, it's creeping up. And it actually got to New Year's Eve. I was like, it got to like lunchtime. And I said to my husband, I was like, should we go for a pub dinner? I was like, the kids really like it, that local pub. Should we take them? There's got that nice play area outside. Everything's like, well, it's freezing. And they probably won't like, you know, be bothered. But sure, just so we could go and have like a one last glass of wine at the pub, knowing that we wouldn't be having another glass of wine for 12 months. And it was just, um, it felt like pressure. So when it turned, to midnight I actually burst out crying because it was such a relief that it was 2022 and I could stop thinking about it and I could just crack on with my year had it been quite all-consuming then from that October up until December did it start to take over more of your sort of like cognitive function just the sort of the thinking about it Uh, in December no not not from October but as like it started to become a reality when it's just a distant thing you're talking about. It's like saying, oh, I've signed up for an ultra. Yeah, yeah, But actually going out and doing the hard <laughs> Good yards. Marathon, sure. Slightly, yeah, we, we, we could all watch Forrest Gump and sign up for something. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> well, this, this is slightly different actually doing it. It's not a social media post. It's you actually going out and giving up the thing that you, you love the most apart from your family. You know what I mean? I was like, I, I loved my red wine. Loved it, loved it, loved it. So, yeah, as soon as the 1st of January came, that, that was it, like bish, bash, bosh. And you know what's bizarre? I can count on one hand the amount of times over the year that I've wanted alcohol. Not being tempted, but tempted is the wrong word, because there was no part of me that in any way would have went and had a glass of alcohol at all. But there's been about five occasions where I've thought, I've saw somebody drinking and maybe it's been the condensation on the glass. Or I actually remember there was a lady sat by the side of the pool when I was on a family holiday in Dubai and I could see the condensation in her wine glass and it was sunny and she looked really nice with her sunglasses on. I thought, oh, I could murder a glass of wine. And I just instantly switched my focus. It was it was bizarre. And I had another couple of incidents like that where I've, I've thought, oh, if I wasn't doing this challenge, I would definitely have a drink now. But the thing that's been most surprising, apart from how easy I found it, is the fact that when I've been at these social situations, when everybody's been drinking, I've not missed it. Like I haven't there's not one part of me I've not just done the challenge I've completely switched my entire mindset which is proven to me on a deeper level because I talk about this stuff a lot and I'm actually walking the walk I just completely 100% changed my mindset to not even want it it wasn't like I was doing it and punishing myself I would go to these things and I'm just like oh yeah I'm driving now it's been so much easier than doing dry January or Stoptober I've done those before and after about week one I'm just counting down the days but this was something very different this was a mindset shift 12 months is too long to be in that kind of mentality as you are for dry January it's a good stint so you have to just switch your your mind and just get on with it and it's yeah it has it's been the the foundation for me to go on and crack on with becoming a better version of myself in so many other areas in my life that have got nothing to do with alcohol but I perhaps wouldn't be doing had I not changed my relationship with alcohol what, what was the moment when you decided because you mentioned that you've done uh, dry January and Stoptober and stuff like that before but you mentioned that you and Mark decided uh, and I'm intrigued as well who decided um, or was it a collective thing? But what was it in October? You were like, do you know what? Let's let's do that. What was the catalyst to actually making that decision, even if it was off in the distance, as you mentioned earlier? There, there was a few things. We'd been toying with giving up alcohol. We both said for a while, look, mm, we're, we're doing all this healthy stuff and 
meal prep and all these bloody vitamins and shakes and juices and stuff like that. <laughs> and we are we are both still drinking too much. Like yeah. I, I, I'm not talking about in compared to an alcoholic, but I'm talking about the people that we're trying to become, which is people that look after ourselves and I'm interested in cell regeneration and like I'm interested in all sorts of stuff like that and alcohol just wasn't marrying up to it anymore but I think for me if I'm being honest it was my mental health was was starting to go down again and I could feel myself starting with anxiety there was a lot of shit going on in the businesses with the um just in society in general last year with all this covid stuff there was a lot of negative energy constantly everywhere and i allowed myself because it is a choice to get consumed by things and i also felt like i couldn't necessarily talk to people about it because i'm kind of meant to know better and i don't think i realized how much i was struggling and i just had quite an open conversation with mark and whenever we tried to moderate our drinking we're all or nothing type of people in all aspects of our lives like we do go all in and that's one of the main attributes that makes us successful but it also makes us have um, not necessarily addictive personalities but I, I don't know like unless you really prioritize something enough you just we'd say things like oh let's just drink on a Saturday we'll just do a Saturday that's that's fine we'll not drink the rest of the week be like yeah yeah agreed and then my dad would rock up on a Sunday for a roast dinner and a couple of bottles of red and we're like well a couple of glasses of red's not gonna hurt on a Sunday you know and then I'd be out on the the following Wednesday for a, a work meal with an investor or whatever and you know yeah you could say no but the reality was James I enjoyed it like I enjoyed the drinking but I also acknowledge I'm very self-aware that my mental health wasn't great and like I say alcohol really wasn't a problem I wasn't drinking enough for alcohol to to be a problem but it was it, it wasn't a solution well, what, either yeah and what what I suppose at what level I suppose if it, no I'm gonna I'm just gonna go back a step actually because it was a problem it's you don't have to have an alcohol problem as in addiction for it to be a problem. And I suppose it's this is hopefully giving other people permission to admit that they've got a, a, a problem. It's a problem if it's stopping you live your best life. Anything that's stopping you live your be best life, arguably, if we're being truly honest with ourselves, is a problem. So Mark and I had the conversation because... I was always nagging at him about how much he drank because he drank more than me. He'd have a couple of bottles of beer most nights. And, you know, I just said, I don't want our kids to grow up around this culture, particularly where there's alcohol at every event, including kids' parties, like I, I said earlier, or anytime people come around. Because I was brought up like that in a Scottish family. The alcohol was always flowing. And I kind of want to break that generational habit. And we both just agreed. Initially, he said six months. But I knew, and I was right, having done the full 12 months, that six months wouldn't be enough to break those deep-rooted habits. And um, I know we're going to probably talk about how I'm feeling towards the end of the 12 months, but I would say for me, again, being self-aware and looking in the accountability mirror, I don't think 12 months is enough either. Mm, interesting. You mentioned, I, I wrote this down earlier, because I know obviously from the sort of the the previous interviews that we've done, uh, we, we've probably dived more into sort of the mental health challenges that you'd had previously. But j just touching on those, I know you mentioned earlier, panic attacks, depression, and being on some quite heavy medication at one point. Um, did you have a fear that you mentioned you could feel your mental health was slipping again a little bit? Did you fear that 
stopping alcohol would make you have to face up to stuff that would sort of speed up the process of the panic attacks and the depression and, and, and the and the low mood and the anxiety and that kind of stuff? Or did you know that it was a contributing factor towards you being able yeah. to move away from it? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm not daft. I think, you know, mo- most people, if they're being truly honest with themselves, you know, alcohol is not going to help any form of anxiety. It really isn't. It's just such a easy and nice way is the honest sort of truth of it to to unwind and to get that relaxation and if it was shit we wouldn't be doing it that's the truth you know I'm not going to sit and make out like I I hated the experience of having a couple of glasses of wine on an evening because I didn't but if 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 it's taking more than it's given and you can apply this to many things in life when you get to the point where that pendulum's tipped and something's taking more than it's giving off you then I think that's the point that you kind of have to make that decision for yourself I mean a lot of people will know that in the back of their mind as I probably did beforehand um but weren't aren't necessarily ready to make the decision and that's why I think decisions like this uh, sorry conversations like this are quite important because it was through when a friend of mine giving up alcohol in 2020 for the one year no beer challenge Nick James that kind of first planted that seed in my head and I know that me documenting my own journey has inspired a lot of people to go and do it for this year coming 2023 and it's a it's a bit of a bit of a ripple effect but there's definitely downsides to stopping giving up drinking as well and it's like anything in life the upsides do massively outweigh the downsides which is why I'm going to continue my own alcohol-free adventure for a little bit longer but I also don't want to be one of those people that makes out like there's no advantages or or upsides to drinking because that would be disingenuous as well Mm. right I'm going to ask you one more question about sort of the year that's been and then we'll touch on the, the what's to come in the future as a percentage and this is maybe just my sort of data analytical brain. Give me a percentage, Ellie. Uh, but what percentage do you think your performance overall, and take this question however you want to, what percentage has your performance overall increased as a result of not drinking in the last 12 months, would you say, in terms of business or life or however you want to take the context of that question? I would say at least 40% improvement, which wow. is... wow. Yeah, it's pretty, That's big, it's pretty, isn't it? Yeah. It's big. I've had a huge, huge year, yeah. Would, would you have, would that have been possible? Is, is it sort of like circumstance and fortuitous meetings of the right people, et cetera, et cetera? Or do you think that the, the, the clarity of mind that you've got because just because you're not drinking, has that contributed towards that? Amazing yeah, it's it's massively because I've I have looked, I've done that deep dive, and I've looked at myself. I've looked at all aspects of my life, what I was wasting time doing on my business. I took a massive step back from the business at the step uh, at the start of the year in order to move forward, and got so much clarity. We've completely changed. You know, I mentioned earlier we'd built quite a sizable portfolio. I made the decision to. Um, to, to sell that off it was the best thing we ever did looking at the 
the you know the market now and how it's crashing and things we sold out at, at the top we've made some pretty decent decisions we've restructured our business we've actually got less staff less premises we've got less overheads we've got far more profits we've got far less stress we're streamlined we're moving to dubai uh, the podcast how are is, you we're, yeah we're moving <sighs> to dubai it's but oh. honestly james like life has got pretty insane and the question is is you know you asked, is it the fortuitous timing with things? And there's no way to really compare, is there? It's like a sliding doors thing. I've got no way of knowing what my life would have been like over the last 12 months had I continued to drink alcohol. But I think the energy, everything in my world is about energy. It's about the, like, that might sound a little bit woo-woo for some of your listeners. But for me to be in, when I'm in optimal energy, I connect with people like relationships are my highest form of currency I seem to connect with the right people at the right time and I don't believe that that's a coincidence but when I'm also in bad energy I miss opportunities I miss opportunities to connect with people I miss opportunities to build relationships I miss opportunities to do business I miss so much stuff and when you're in a good energy you're just you're not showing up as the the best version of yourself so I don't think it's a coincidence in my relationship with my kids is you know, better than it's ever been. My relationship with my my husband's, um, you know, better than it's ever been. But um, I've got no way of knowing. But it's like, if this is a placebo, why would I stop taking it? Why would I have such a good year? And I'm still scratching the surface on where I want to be on a personal level, let alone on a a business level. But, you know, really the personal level is the more important one. So I kind of feel like... It's, it's quite as the year has a, been coming to an end, drawing to an end. It's really interesting because I've had this great year and I've had all this success and I found giving up alcohol so much easier than I thought. And then I've been telling people about all the benefits of it. But then I'm just like, oh, so what am I going to do at the end of the year? Like, mm. am I am I going to drink again? And like, part of me thinks it'd be quite funny to sign back in at twelve oh one with a shot of tequila. <laughs> But really, that would just... <laughs> I'm back, everyone. I'm back. I'm back. I've done my year. But obviously, that that's you know demonstrating that it's it's possibly not had the impact that I was hoping it would. But I've got to ask myself, what am I hoping to achieve from this, and what am I hoping to achieve moving forward? And I wouldn't go as far to say as I'm giving up alcohol permanently. I absolutely don't want the the pressure or the responsibility of that. I've got my 40th at the end of February and we're going to Rome. So if I was ever going to have a glass of wine, a a glass of red, it would be sat, you know, some beautiful scenic backdrop in the middle of Rome. So I'm not ruling anything out. I'm definitely not going to drink till at least then. If I did drink, it would be like, do I just have one glass or do uh like then just drink and roam but then say I'm not doing it for the rest of the year but then it starts to give me a bit of anxiety because I'm starting mm. to already all these questions are coming up oh do I just do it on Rome or do I just do it when I go on holidays because my life is going to be one big holiday in Dubai do I just do it when people come to visit or do I just do it when we come back to the UK and all these questions that are coming into my head are starting to stress me out because this year I've not had any of that I've not had to stress about any of that because I've just not drank and it's been dead easy and 
when I start talking like that, it makes me just think this is what used to happen when we'd see let's just drink on a Saturday. Yeah, or, yeah, it's the reverse, isn't it? It's about now yeah. it's about like the not drinking, the, the questions and the sort of the the cognitive anxieties about the not drinking rather than the drinking like it was before. It's so interesting. Yeah. I remember I gave up smoking, I'll never forget it was the tenth of July twenty ten. And I'll always remember like the last fag that I used to love smoking. I used to love smoking and drinking. I just loved all of it. Um, and I never forget the biggest challenge that I had was almost that like, well, what, what now? And saying that I've stopped f- smoking forever. I don't know why it just genuinely terrified me. And, and I can see why you wouldn't put a label on it. I'm really intrigued though. Let's say for example, and again, we, we can't know this, but you, you you get to past midnight and you've done your one year and everyone's clinking glasses. You decide that, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to have a drink. What do you think it's going to feel like the first time that the red wine touches your lips and you get that like warm, fuzzy feeling? Cause you, you mentioned at one minute past midnight, you, you clinked a glass of uh, 1159, you clinked a glass of tequila with Mark had a shot and then that was it. And at one minute past midnight, you're crying because the pressure was relieved. Yeah. Do you think that the pressure will be off you again or will it be like a, a feeling or a sense of like a deflation and disappointment that you've had another drink how do you think you're gonna sort of I've, oh, it's I've, mad isn't it it's, it's you know this is just interesting isn't it how we don't always take our own advice because the reality will be after the 12 months no matter what happens i've succeeded i've just yeah. done a year without alcohol but already I'm beating myself up at the next decisions because mm. like if I have a glass of wine, am I just going to feel like a complete failure? Am I going to complete like I've just given it all away? I mean, in the future, I would love to be, and I know many, many people that can go out for a nice meal and just have a couple of glasses of wine and then that's it. They will they can take it or leave it for, you know, you bump into them in three or four months time. And like I had girls and we used to, some good girlfriends of mine that are also property developers and we'd meet up quarterly and we'd do cocktails and afternoon out and, it, you know, get an overnight somewhere, Leeds, Manchester, whatever. And we'd have a great time. But then we'd meet up in another three or four months and those two would usually be saying, oh, I've not had a drink since the last time we all went out. And I'm like really like oh my god <laughs> that's crazy i've been drinking three or four times a week since we last met up three or four months ago so not everyone has an issue with alcohol or perhaps needs to abstain completely like i'm definitely not here to preach at anyone but it's just could i trust myself to be an occasional drinker that just has a glass of wine every three or four months if i asked myself that question and the answer came back yes I would probably allow myself a glass of wine. But if I'm being honest, as it stands at the moment, today, whatever day is, at the end of December 2022, I don't think I've done enough work on myself to afford myself that privilege. What 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 other work do you think that you need to, to do? Have you scratched a, a surface of something like, oh, I need to go further down that rabbit hole or is it just a a better sort of general understanding of how you work because you mentioned earlier you know sort of the the social conditioning around drinking in the UK especially obviously the one you know beer podcast has got you know thousands of listeners around the world in various countries but especially and I guess it's you know probably same but different in other countries but the UK's got such a drinking culture and, and even more so you know, it's almost renowned, like how much Scottish people drink, and it's a, sort of a, it's a, an ongoing joke, isn't it? You know, a sober Scottish person is, you know, like rocking horse shit. You just don't find it. Like, 
there's so much of that stuff. So is it that that you have to work out or is it more personal to you, do you think? Yeah, it's more personal to me. It's about having better emotional intelligence, better self-discipline, better habits, so that I just need to build up my own mental resilience more so that if I'm not someone, I'm just going to be completely ruthless with myself. If I'm, because I'm very self-aware, like I can't bullshit myself. If I am not of a mindset where if I'm not emotionally intelligent enough to be able to have a glass of wine and then like not go back to drinking three or four times a week, then I will just remove that from my life forevermore, you know, because that's just not the standard I'm willing to set for myself. If I don't fully believe that I can be moderate and my idea of moderate is not the same as the society tells you is moderate because that point you've just said there, like this is why it's such a a problem in my opinion in the UK because it's just so socially acceptable. It's like this middle class delusion. Everywhere you go, there's alcohol. You know, you go to the airport and you get a glass of champagne before you set off regardless of what time it's like things I've never had an issue with just at, like I mentioned kids parties it is it's it's everywhere it's absolutely everywhere and nobody has ever once said to me oh do you think you need to calm down a bit on the red wine when I go out people have had a go at me before about how often I run or if I'm doing some sort of juicing shake or something like that to, to de- oh you need to be careful people are very quick to tell you to to like watch and you know not look after yourself too much oh four litres of water do you sure that's safe you know it's like but you're not referencing <laughs> the fact I'm drinking a bottle of wine a night you numpty come on <laughs> two litres of grapes in the evening as well don't worry about ours absolutely fine yeah it's interesting isn't it because it's almost like that that becomes a social acceptance for for the other person as well doesn't it um you mentioned something there you you said it earlier i wrote it down i was like will i bring this back up or not but then you said it again there i don't even know how to frame the question but (laughs) i know what i said no no you said you said about going to war with yourself you said i'll go to war with myself and i was like oh that and i and i wrote it down and, and then you said there that if you don't feel like you've got the emotional intelligence enough to trust yourself, then you just won't let yourself. You, you'll cut it out of your life forever. You'll just take the option away from yourself. Mm. What's the downside of having, or the challenge maybe, of having a, a mentality that's that cutthroat with yourself? Because go to oh, war myself no, I, is very strong language, that. Well, yeah, it is because... <laughs> we've all got the devil on our shoulders that's trying to derail us that's trying to keep us safe to keep us comfortable to to stop us stretching ourselves or doing things that's uncomfortable and that's a real challenge and the majority of people they allow that voice to win they allow themselves to myself included by the way I'm not trying to make out like I'm David Goggins but when it's raining outside oh I'll just go out tomorrow you know like it's down to us what standard we set for ourselves and I'm not saying by the way the standards I set for myself need to be the standards that other people set for themselves I think we all need to define our own standards but once you've set them then you bloody well stick to them and that voice will try to take you down continually continually but you have to go to war with yourself as in that internal battle with that voice that's that's stopping each and every one of us from becoming the people that we are all capable of becoming 
Is is the devil on your shoulder? Is it? Does it talk quite loudly to you? Is it quite prevalent? Do you have to battle that quite consistently? That little devil. That devil wants me to sit and watch Netflix and have stoned baked pepperoni pizza with a bottle of Malbec every single night. <laughs> the evil little bastard. Um, <laughs> sounds like a lovely night, isn't it? Frankly, um, right. I've got to be respectful for your time, so we're going to work towards wrapping up. What would you? I mean, who's been your? Who's been your biggest supporter? other than yourself in this last 12 months. I'm guessing that Mark's played a big role in this because he's been on the journey with you. So maybe if you can't have Mark, who's collectively? No one. Really? No one. No, Mark and I are, we're, we're, we're a two-man band, really, when it comes to this kind of thing. I've, I've Yeah, my, my circles are changing and the majority of people that I surround myself with now want me to be the best version of myself and they've been super supportive but I mean when I'm not working and podcasting I'm just at home with my husband and my kids so it's been a blessing to have Mark on this journey with me but one of the downsides actually James talking about Mark that I would like to mention because we've obviously spoke about the upsides of giving up alcohol but one of the downsides for me was that sort of I wouldn't say strain it put on a relationship that's too dramatic but I mentioned you said how did you get on in the social settings and retraining yourself as someone who's a non-drinker and I didn't find that challenging at all I also can go out on my own not a problem I can stay in on my own not a problem and it's not that I've particularly wanted to drink when Mark and I've been together I've not really had that temptation but we did so much together that involved alcohol I think the one area that's not been as strong this year has been not us as in our relationship, but like the amount of social time that we spend together because Mark's replaced the beer for just going all in, learning about new stuff, new like, you know, he's into trading and crypto and he's like just loves it and down a rabbit hole and gets a laptop out every night, which is brilliant. You know, it's it's great to see him passionate and enthusiastic but I've found that I've started getting to bed, going to bed um, earlier and getting up earlier. And just like when you're a little bit out of sync, whereas before when we drank alcohol, we used to have the music on. We used to, you know, have a bit of a dance when we're cooking dinner with a bottle of wine. And like, it was just fun. So now we've had to make a conscious effort to have date nights. And as the years went on, we found ways to hone that and make sure we're getting that time because for whatever reason I don't know it just I think it's probably just an association thing that is not broken after 12 months but we find it easier now to go and have our date nights just in a, a bit of a different environment but that was definitely a part of the the story that was uh, difficult for the first few months well it wasn't difficult I don't think we're really aware of it and then we're just like my god we don't we don't see each other anymore we used to have so much fun together and now we're just like we spend time with each other out every day every Saturday and every Sunday with the kids and national parks and things like that but it was that husband and wife interaction that changed and I don't know if it's a uh, it's not like we're teenagers that need alcohol for confidence or anything like that but it just shows how entrenched certain mm. behaviors are in you because you link them so much to alcohol because it wasn't like we were necessarily getting drunk I don't want to misrepresent us but we just when the wine or the beer or whatever got removed from that situation suddenly we weren't sort of doing like the 
fun dancing around the kitchen that we might have been doing after having the first sip of wine. So it wasn't because we were inebriated. So that was a really interesting thing to have to get back into balance. So it's almost like the, the drink is the, the the kicking off point of downtime almost. So regardless mm-hmm. of the amount of it, it's like, right, I've had a beer, you've had a, a glass of wine. So now we're, we're not getting the laptop back out on a Saturday night. I have the same challenge with my wife because she doesn't really drink hardly ever. And I haven't touched a drop for best part of two and a half years for, for medical reasons, not for any other reason. But, um, well, I guess it is of choice ultimately as well. But we, you know, we're, we're rife for it. You know, like the kids would go to bed on a Saturday night, whereas it used to be, you know, you'd have a drink, like I say, you'd have like a, a, a dinner that takes a bit longer to cook and have a chat over the dinner table. You're like, do you know what? I can still be mega effective. I'm going to do peak performance on a Saturday. I'm going to get my laptop back out. She's sitting there designing a logo, half a website, and I'll be like, you know, editing a podcast or something. Like I say, you almost have to retrain yourself to to have that downtime. Mark um, triggered the, the uh, my next question. So I said I'm going to let you um, wrap up. I lied. Um, <laughs> I do this so, all so, so what happens when... 12.01 midnight comes around and we get to the 1st of January 2023 and Mark's year of one year no beer is done. And he cracks open a bottle of beer and he celebrates his achievements because he's, you know, he's going to have achieved it on his own merit as well. Do you think the next few months before you go to Rome and you've kind of in your own minds, I said, well, I'm going to do the, the, the deeper inner work and get that emotional intelligence to a level where I can trust myself to, to have that occasional drink. Do you think the challenge for yourself will be even more now that he's maybe decides to have a drink once in a while or, or by that point, is it not going to affect you, do you think? I think so for me, 2023 will definitely be more challenging than 2022 because 2022 is like, well, I'm not drinking because I'm doing this challenge and I'm somebody that does thrive very well in the challenge. But the whole point of doing the challenge was to become someone different that doesn't need a challenge continually to be able to do it. I think I'm definitely far enough on the journey now where if Mark cracked open a bottle of beer, there would be zero temptation for me. My temptation is in my own head. However, Mark, being the supportive husband that he is, has told me he's going to do whatever I decide. And if I decide I want to do another year, he'll do it. If I decide I never want to drink again, he'll do it. If I decide I want to be an occasional drinker, he, he's he's cool with that as well. So that's just right there. Everything I, I love about him, really, because we've just said, you know what, we're, we're, we're in this together. We're both two peas in a pod, like in terms of Mark and I's relationship with alcohol. So he has really, really impressed me. I knew he'd do it. Like he's never done dry January. He's, never, he's always buckled. <laughs> Week three, buckles, every year. Every year he's like, fuck this. I'm a Philly grown man. I want a card. What a beer, man, a beer. <laughs> so, like, we have the same spiel every January about the 21st, 22nd of January tops. And I'm just like, all right, babe, you know, that, and I can do it. But I, I knew because of the seriousness of, um, like, the intention we set for this challenge that he would do it 100% because he's very much like me. He's, he's, um, He's made of real inner steel, but different to me in the sense he doesn't tell everybody about <laughs> about everything that he does. You know, he just quietly cracks on with it. And I thought he would struggle so much more than he has done. And again, the fact that he can go to these events, the social thing was a big thing for Mark because it's not that he's not a confident person, but 
probably just wouldn't choose to go to an event where he doesn't know everyone and just have all these like conversations with strangers. So to do that without alcohol after 25 years of reasonably heavy drinking has just shown him it's like it's just been so empowering from him. And on a personal level, his growth over this last 12 months has been exponential. So, yeah, just sorry, I, I was I was going on that long. I almost forgot your original question. So yeah, I I think not having for me, Mark's not in the equation in terms of him adding to any stress on that situation, but not having a structure of a twelve month challenge is definitely it's this I suppose is where the real work starts because it's mm. me myself and I with no challenge you know there's no one to hold me to account I've not publicly said on my social media I'm doing a year without alcohol it's just that little devil and the little angel in each shoulder you you mentioned that Mark will kind of go along with whatever you say what about vice versa what if he turns around and surprises you on the fir- on one minute past midnight and goes do you know what babe I, I, I don't think I ever want to touch this again let's go fully dry forever is that is that something that you would get on board with because because of the two peas in the I, I pod think, thing yeah p- potentially I would but I don't think either of us would whether whether either of us have a, another sip of alcohol for the rest of our life is yet to be seen but I don't think either of us regardless of intention would ever say that because of the pressure yeah so that might sound like a bit of a cop-out but he genuinely wouldn't say that but he's he's he sounded like, like a dream man to be honest you want to, you want to watch yeah, out he, anyone anyone who's around your neck of the woods be like this guy is a catch he is a keeper I'm telling you <laughs> Um, what's uh, f- final question then or final statement I'd love to get your thoughts for anyone who's obviously at the time of recording you are about two weeks away from completing one year no beer um, you set the intention you put it out there to the to to all of your people who follow you you've talked about it very openly on the podcast you've done that deep in the work you found the uh, you know the, the 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 shadows of your soul that you needed to develop and maybe alcohol had been a mask for um, you know you, you you're someone who is sort of helped yourself through panic attacks depressive states and heavy medication before you realized that you were sort of going down a dark path again and that was kind of maybe part of the instigator to taking on this challenge this year for anyone else who's sitting there listening to this and again you know end of december beginning of january there's a lot of conscious and subconscious pressure to you know be a new you you new year new me and all that kind of nonsense but for someone who's sitting there for for their own right reasons thinking i think this is what i need to do what would be your um, sort of final parting words of wisdom before embarking on a challenge like One Year No Beer from someone who's, you know, 97% done it now? James, I think it's a really personal question because as I mentioned to you earlier, I knew deep down that I needed to do something like this for a good few years before I made the commitment to do it. So normally in these situations, I'm a bit of a go big or go home, you know, just do it. No one's going to do it for you. You genuinely have to want to do it. You have to want to change and you have to know why you want to change. And the people I think will resonate with me more are not people that are perhaps battling with addiction, but people that are just busy mums, business owners, you know, high performers, people that are time poor, just constant uh, pressures, perhaps letting negative energy getting into their lives and 
that ultimately are living in this middle class bubble where we think that it's totally acceptable to have bloody champagne or prosecco or whatever at every single function and and that's that's kind of how i lived my life for a long time so all i would say to anyone who is considering it um get the support you know sign up to one year no beer or one of the equivalents you know i've got the one year no beer app as well and part of their facebook community um get around people that are on a similar journey or listen to people like myself and there's plenty of us out there that have been through it or have got a similar story to you hear about our own experiences and and ultimately the successes that we've had from it and see the the change in us because it's it's not necessarily about what you need to do in order to achieve success it's about who do you need to become so if alcohol is something that's preventing you becoming the best version of yourself then yeah just do it just do it amazing stuff i've got to say ellie on a personal level you're one of my favorite you know them sort of people that are in you like your facebook feed or your or your instagram feed and they always just fill you full of good stuff wow. you you are one of them for me i love seeing your journey i love the honesty the integrity the rawness with which you share uh, i love seeing the wins i love seeing the learnings and the lessons i love um, you know the award-winning stuff that you see. I love the amazing podcast guests that you have. I love the the random shares that you'll put of like you and um, and Kira in an ice bath, and you've taken out the team to go and try this latest mad hat challenge and all that kind of good stuff. You are generally a force for good. I love watching your journey. Uh, anyone who's been listening to this podcast on the One Year No Beer podcast, if you've enjoyed this conversation, if you thought, you know what, that Ellie is pretty wise. I'd love to find out more information. You can check out the links in the show notes now. That'll bounce you straight through to the On a Mission podcast where you can hear interviews with the you I mean some mega mega guests especially this year your podcast has exploded I checked before we came on air by the way number five in the UK in the business charts right now Uh, you know what's weird I've not checked literally not checked it for a couple of months I'm number two in the entrepreneur charts as well entrepreneurship charts there you go big in the game so if you're listening on one year no beer go and click the link in the show notes now on a mission podcast and hopefully Ellie's going to be kind enough for those hundreds of thousands of people that are listening to her show she can put a link in that to the one year no beer podcast as well <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, congratulations on your year of success I look forward to seeing your continued success uh, thank you everyone who is listening for joining us on one year no beer and the on a mission podcast simicast pod share thingamy jiggy whatever we're calling it fantastic episode thanks for being here ellie and thank you james as always you've been an absolute pro thank you so much thanks everyone bye thanks for tuning into this episode of the one year no beer podcast where our mission is to share and tell the stories of the everyday heroes who are taking the steps to make a meaningful impact by changing their relationship with alcohol If you want to join our community and find out more about the variety of benefits that you can enjoy by becoming part of our 80,000 plus members within our alcohol-free movement, then click the link in the show notes below.